All right, race fans, Ryan Aho here and the one and only Bert Lehman. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing awesome. We're bringing you episode 58, ladies and gentlemen, of the One to Go show. Excited about that. You know, we're, we're clipping right along here. And uh, before you know it, we're going we're gonna to have two years under the belt here. I never thought we'd make <laughs> it to year one, but, uh, you know, Puka didn't. Hey, we love you, man, but... Uh, you know, hey, he's still heavily involved with the show. He jumps on, he makes special appearances, and he helps make some things tick here. I give him some crap, but we, I think we miss having Puka on the show every once in a while, too. So, but, uh, you know, hey, we can't, uh, we can't start a show out, though, without mentioning one of our sponsors here, you know, Frank Zuli. It's getting to be that time of year, you know, we're right before Christmas, uh, racer wives, girlfriends, whatever it may be, go ahead by the man in your life or you know if you're a, a husband that has a wife that races maybe it's the flip side of that buy your significant um significant other buy them an engine that is one <laughs> hell of a good christmas gift in fact don't just buy any engine call frank zuli zuli race engines and i mean i promise you i absolutely promise you you go ahead you buy the significant other in yours you know in your life you buy them a race engine from frank they're going to be happy you know, I promise that they'll be perfectly content with that. Give him a call. And uh, everybody I talked to that has one, Parker Anderson, we had, I interviewed him last week, uh, Justin Vogel. They're happy as heck. If they're happy with it, you'll be happy with it. Give uh, give Frank a shout. He'll take good care of us. So I think, what do you think, Bert? I think that's a good Christmas present, don't you? I mean, everybody's always wondering, what do you buy your significant other? You know, and <clears throat> I mean, that's, that's unique. I mean, who buys somebody an engine for, for Christmas? I mean, that's, I think that's a good gift. I agree. That would be, I think uh, you would definitely be in their good graces uh, if you did that. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. And I'll just don't, and if you have to just use their card for it, I mean, just do it, <laughs> just make it happen. So, Hey, let's get it. There was a little bit of racing here last week. Not a lot. We're getting close to the end of the year here, right? You know, there's still races coming up, <clears throat> but not a lot left. And before you know it, we're going to be into January and there's a, bunch of stuff going on in January. So, you know, it's kind of died down just a little bit, but now at Alltech, you know, we're going to start off with Hookah's favorite class, crate late models, right? Um, this was a 602 crates down at Lake City, Alltech Raceway, and a 50 lap feature, five grand to win, 19 year old. I don't know if you saw that. I think you watched that race on uh, Dirt on Dirt. Not real eventful, but a 19 year old won that, Clay Harris. And uh, looking back, I looked at my race pass, He's got several wins over the course of the year. There's a 12-year-old there, too, and I don't recall his name, but that 12-year-old's winning races, and it's like, I don't know if a 12-year-old belongs in a late model, but it is what it is. I guess it's their money, and I don't have to race against it. But, Bert, uh, you know what was cool about that whole deal? The racing wasn't all that terribly exciting. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I mean, there was some passing, I mean, it, but it just wasn't overly exciting. But did you, uh, did you happen to see Victory Lane? No, I didn't see Victory Lane. I did watch the feature, and, I mean, it was one of those tracks, again, where it seems like every week we're talking about this type of a track. It was, you know, uh, you know, slick from top to bottom, uh, but at least there were multiple grooves. I mean, the leader for most of the race was racing the low side, and uh, um, the guy who actually won it was racing the high side and got by him on a, on a restart. Uh, he was definitely the fastest car, though. Because uh, once he got by him, he pulled away. But, but yeah, I did not see Victory Lane. Uh, just what you had told me, uh, he couldn't get the full celebration in. <laughs> he couldn't. You know, I, I've won several features in my life, and I've been down to Victory Lane, and I've gotten everything from, you know, a case of beer. Um, I've gotten a case of pop. I've gotten champagne. You know, I got a bottle of wine. I got different stuff. But, hey, this is down in the south, right? This is down <laughs> bootleggers down in the south. And, yep, you guessed it moonshine for this guy right so they they're gonna do it and uh kid was only 19 can't drink moonshine so his pit guy was down there and they're like all right like hey here's the deal they even called it out over you know i got the video clip here as you can see but uh <clears throat> they called it out they're like hey he's 19 he can't drink so you're gonna have to take one for the team you're gonna have to have a drink take a swig down to victory lane and you can see just kind of winced a little bit and uh must have been some high test stuff so moonshine getting their done clay harris down there at the Alltech raceway now there was some i'm gonna call it real late model racing we're gonna call well, it. well before we get to the Go real ahead. late 
Uh, have you ever had moonshine? I have not. I have not. Closest thing I had would be apple pie. <laughs> um, one of my friends made some moonshine. Uh, this was at, uh, and he brought it to, in our small town, we have alumni games where people who graduate from the school come and play basketball in a basketball tournament. Anyway, he brought the moonshine to the bar. I mean, I just had a little taste. I don't even remember what it tastes like anymore. But he dumped a little bit on the bar counter and he lit it on fire. And I mean, it it burns. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> but, high but best stuff. One of the funny things was one of an older gentleman who was up from Tennessee. You know, he's originally from Tigerton, but he was living in he lives in Tennessee at the time. Uh, he took a big swig, but and it it buckled his knees. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, you get some of these street stock guys, uh, Vogel, and some of them guys. I, I tell you, dirt track world, they might have uh, put a little bit of fuel in their float bowls, right? Like uh, like <laughs> Carl says, you get these boys some uh, some moonshine, right? And we'll find out what they're made of. So. I don't know. They always say the northern guys can drink a heck of a lot more, but I think the stuff they drink down there is a heck of a lot stronger. Yeah. So, well, it might have to be a little winter road trip. Maybe we'll have to get uh, maybe we'll have to get some moonshine for one of the invitationals up here and uh, have a little drinking contest and see how that goes. Now, so hey, let's let's switch gears, Bert. Volunteer Speedway, and I kind of made fun of this deal a couple weeks back when they announced it over at Bulls Gap, Tennessee. It was night number two of the Extreme Dirt Car Series. Five grand to win. Another day race. Another day race. But I will say this. I, uh, the racing was pretty good. Um, it must have been cool enough temps, you know, and stuff to where it, it didn't glaze over. It's not 90 degrees out. Um, biggest problem for me with day race is getting out of bed in time. You know, like I, I'm not all about like getting up early. But, uh, you know, I, I know you watched that race. Why don't you kind of recap a little bit what you saw there over at Bulls Gap? And then I'll kind of get a couple things I want to touch on as well. Yeah, I mean, Bulls Gap is a racetrack that I've heard about. But I guess I, I don't think I've ever seen a race there before. I mean, that's actually a really cool track. That, that was, uh, I mean, it's kind of down in a bowl, it seems, and very high gain. Yeah. I remember a, a T-shirt, Bert, that uh, back in the day I was down there racing somewhere. And it said the baddest bull ring in the south, uh, Bulls Gap, is, is what it was, Volunteer Speedway, Bulls Gap. So it's a, it, she's a pretty good turn and burn up on the wheel. I mean, there's a lot of bank, a lot of a lot of side force there, and a lot of a pretty fast little racetrack for sure. Yeah, I mean, last week we were talking about uh, tracks on our bucket list. I, I think uh, Bulls Gap would be a track. I would like to see a race in per, a late model race in person. Um, but yeah, uh, the race last weekend. Um, Bloomquist led the first portion of the race and um, apparently I uh, developed a hole in a in his radiator and uh, the, the engine temperature was uh, um, increasing so he pulled off and uh, him and uh, Chris Madden were having a good battle before that and uh, Chris, you know once Bloomquist was out of the race Madden went on to win uh, but what, what was interesting and I mean you sent me some information about this is uh, Bloomquist was running a, kind of an experimental engine um, with with the purpose of seeing how this engine would perform as it uh, as according to the uh, Bloomquist Racing Post is that it used all shelf parts from racing uh, companies and it cost like $26,000 for this engine and you may think at 26,000 how's that making the sport cheaper but uh I guess the regular the normal engines they use are a lot more expensive than that <laughs> yeah you're, you're not going to buy an engine from Frank Zuli for $26,000 okay you, you, I promise <laughs> it's going to be a lot cheaper get all the Frank it's still cheaper but uh yeah you're looking at 40 45 50 I mean you're talking some major money for these big open motors for super I guess we'll call it late model racing because it's really late model racing but he, he recognized an issue and actually Cody Sommer who works for Bloomquist he kind of was tied in with this kind of spearheaded it and they recognize I mean they realized you know cost too dang much in, in most cases when the tracks are especially a quarter mile or a three eighths or something that's maybe not hammered down you don't need that kind of power i mean most of the tracks you don't need that you go to volusia you're going to need that big big thunder underneath the hood um maybe bristol or something like that but 
most of the time you can get away with less. And, you know, I know a lot of the guys, they're running them open motors, Bert, and they're actually putting restrictors in them anyway. So they're choking them down, you know, so that tells you right there. It's like these people are spending forty, fifty thousand $50,000 on an engine and then detuning it. Well, why don't you just spend less? I mean, that right. makes more sense <laughs> to me. And that's what they're trying to do. And, and uh, Bloomer had a good run going. He did. He looked good. And he, a man got by him, I think, what, lap nine, maybe something like that. And, yeah, something like that. And then he pulled off. But uh, he said, he, Bloomer said he was pleasantly surprised with that yeah. deal. And, you know, the other thing is, you know, I don't know what you think, but Macintosh was kind of there. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, he was never really right in striking distance, but I think if Madden would have, he got through lap traffic pretty good. I mean, Madden's been on his game, especially when he got into a rocket, right? Really, <laughs> um, really got his season going. But the fact is, he, he got through lap traffic good. If he would have got held up in lap traffic, McIntosh was looking pretty good, especially off three and four on the bottom. He might have made, might have been able to make a little run at him there. So that was pretty cool. And uh, Bert, you and I are both points guys. So why don't you talk a little bit about the points too? Who's who's leading that deal right now? Um, I'm not even sure who's leading that. Is Madden leading that right now? High side tickler. Okay. High strickler. Because I I know when you, <laughs> when you when you sent out the agenda, you had said we were going to talk about who could possibly win that, and uh, I did see that Strickler was racing in the feature, and uh, he was he was battling in the front and. I mean, if he follows that entire series, I mean, I, I think that, you know, he'll definitely be in contention until the end. Yeah, it's it's race two of six. I think he I think he ran most of the series last year, didn't he? I think he ran some of that last year. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, so, yeah, Madden won it. Madden is currently sitting third in points. Right now, the, the point leader is Kyle Strickler, mod guy, right? <laughs> and uh, Benji Hicks. Now, I'm not familiar with that guy, but he's currently second – Madden had a rough go of it his first night. He got like 12th or something on, on the first night. So so he's currently sitting third in the points. Madden looking forward to maybe a repeat deal, right? He won the series last year at the inaugural Driving Extreme Dirt Car Series. And uh, he got her done. The Grinch 50, Christmas spirit, but he was the Grinch for everybody. And a kind of <laughs> cool little, you know, one, I'll give him hats off down there. Victory Lane. Did you happen to see the pictures? They had a Grinch down there and stuff. And No, I didn't and, see that. Yeah, really cool. You know, and, and it really played it up because I think I think the crowd, the, the, you know, just interaction, the kids, they probably love the heck out of that. So, you know, hats off to doing them extra things like that to kind of get some crowd involvement and, you know, some neat pictures with the Grinch with the Santa hat on and stuff like that. I, I was pretty impressed by that. They, they really had fun with it. And I think that's what the sport needs. So um, hats off to the, the folks down at the Bulls Gap, uh, I guess the Volunteer Speedway in Bulls Gap. So anything yeah, I, else on, on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with your comments there. Uh, I just want to also say that, uh, I mean, when I was watching that feature, I mean, we all know that uh, Chris Madden went through, what, like 80 teams this, this last year. Um, he's had different uh, graphic schemes on his cars. But what I found kind of interesting was his car looks very similar color-wise to Bloomquist's car. And they both have the dry Dean, you know, because they both, uh, you know, that still sponsors both of them. Um, so, you know, I just thought that was kind of funny that their cars are very similar color-wise. <laughs> they, they are. Hey, I'm going to ask you, though, before we jump off this, you know, because I thought it was pretty cool, the little little touch they had with the Grinch. In all the tracks that you've been to, have you ever seen mascots? You know, have you ever seen, like, you know, different things like that, where, getting the kids involved at any, any of the racetracks in Wisconsin? Um, I mean, Oshkosh Speed Zone used to have a kids club uh, where they actually had, like, a, um, you know, you have the flag stand. They actually had, like, a mini flag stand for kids. I mean, it was back further from the track, obviously. Uh, but, you know, kids could be up there, I believe, during the races. And uh, the Dirt Kings Late Model Tour has a kids club. And uh, prior, I mean, if you go to a Dirt Kings race or you see pictures and, you know, talking about Victory Lane, uh, after, after a driver wins the feature, they get their crown, their cape, and then they sit in the, in the, the chair, the big chair that looks like, uh, you know, that a king would sit in. 
and uh, they actually have that that chair set up um, where fan where kids and fans can sit in it prior prior to the race and get pictures taken. So you know that's kind of cool. You know, involving the kids and um, sitting in the same chair that the winning drivers sit in. I have an idea. So Jason from Dirt Kings, if you're watching this show right now, how about you get you get a couple? You know. I guess they're swords or whatever, and have kids come down. I mean, we got to get past the COVID deal, which we're gonna. It's gonna pass, right? But what if they like kind of like knighted them or whatever? It had a couple <laughs> kids kind of doing a knighting deal and hand them the trophy. You know, anything to get the kids involved is is so cool. I remember Bemidji Speedway, and, and this is you know about two hours, I guess, west of where I live, or an hour left west of where Puka lives. And it's just kind of a small little local track. They kind of got a small operation, not a not a big money type racetrack. But when I was racing there when I was younger, they had a dude running around in a dog costume and he'd interact with the kids and throw candy and get all the kids all jazzed up and he'd be down in victory lane. And at first, you know, when I was racing, I'm like, that is like the dumbest thing ever. It's like, why? Why? But the kids loved it. You know, the, the kids at the end of the day, they're only watching the people they know, you know, and they might only know one or two drivers out there. They don't care about anybody else. They don't care about any of that. They're like, I don't know who any of these people are. I want to watch dad and I want to watch uncle Bob and I want to watch, I know this guy, <clears throat> that's it. That's all they watch the little kids anyway. But if you have a mascot of some kind that's interacting with the kids, keeps them energized, keeps it fun. I think that's, I think we need more of that. And I think, uh, well, I was pretty excited to see that, really. And I, I know there's some tracks in eastern Wisconsin that also uh, uh, let kids uh, in victory lane and give, present the trophies to drivers. And oftentimes uh, that'll turn into the driver winding up just giving the trophy to, to a kid. And, you know, that's just a huge moment in, in a kid's life to be able to receive a trophy from – you know, a racer that they look up to. Yeah, it, it sure is. And I remember, I know Estes have done that, Skeeter and Mac both, and Travis Sauer used to run up to the fence and, and Fergus Falls and do that. And it's, it's great to hand them the trophy. But then when you say, hey, come down to the car afterwards, and I want to make sure that you get this signed and get a picture with them, all of that interaction is what the sport needs. And uh, it's tough to do though when you have 87 classes in a night, right? So there's a nugget <laughs> yeah. for you right there. But uh, but overall, a good program. I was pleasantly surprised <clears throat> that the day race was good. Um, it was just, a, it was a good event overall and looking forward to night number three of the Extreme Dirt Car Series. And, you know, hey, we had a little asphalt racing, Bert. Normally, it's like, it's asphalt racing. And if you like asphalt better than dirt it's really your own asphalt and and uh, we <laughs> don't really talk about it but kind of a big show this time of year and i've heard of it but i didn't know much about it but they had the snowball derby it turns out i didn't even know this until researching this it's a two-day show day one they have the snowflake 100 which is kind of a limited class day two they have the 300 lapper which is i think it's what is it? Just super late, super late, super models? late models. Yeah, yeah, super late models. And uh, why don't you touch on? You want me to touch on Saturday? You touch on Sunday, or you want to touch on both, or what do you want to do there? Um, <coughs> I'll let you touch on Saturday, and I'll. I mean, because you know, Majeski, we'll t I'll let you touch on your Wisconsin boy. We'll do that. We'll yeah. let. He's the easier mean, boy. Do you want me to go first? <laughs> um, I'll touch on Saturday because, yeah. we'll, and then we'll go into Sunday. But uh, okay, so Saturday. <laughs> 100 lap feature, this guy by the name of Steven Nassi. Now, keep in mind, I don't know these guys. Now, I've heard of Bubba Pollard. I don't know why, but I've heard that name before. But Steven Nassi, for the second year in a row, Bert, was stripped of the win, like, hours after, right, after victory lane. Not, like, right in victory lane, not right after the race. Like, it was a couple hours later. Now, last year he actually was in the 300 lapper, right? And he came from deep. He came from the LCQ. He won that deal. That was the big race. I think it was 25 grand to win, <clears throat> something like that. And he went through tech, post-race tech, and they had a very, like I'm talking, very thorough tech. And yeah. So thorough that he had caps on his pistons, on his caliper. So they had to take the calipers off to, to see all this stuff. I mean, we're talking like way, way teching, right? 
And it turned out he had titanium caps on there. Three hours later, he was disqualified for titanium caps on his caliper. This one here, he's coming into the last corner, and, and evidently he's rivals with this Pollard, right? And, uh, you know, I, I don't know their history or, or their story, but they come into three and four, and it's not like he just completely landblasted them. But, I mean, folks, you, you take a look at the video. It's playing here as we speak, but, you know, the fact is he got into the leader, turns the leader around, and boom, he uh, goes across, he gets first place, the leader. I don't know where the leader ended up even crossing the line at. He's given the win. He goes to victory lane, right? They reward him and, and all that. On the whole to-do, like he, he's the winner of the Snowflake 100. This was the, the Saturday race. It was a couple hours later that they decided that, yeah, you know what? We're just going to, we're going to, we rethought this deal. And they actually gave him last place on the lead lap. So whatever that, and it was deep in the field, right? It wasn't last, but whoever's on the lead lap, he got put to the back of them. Jake Johnson gets the win. Now, on a call like that, Bert, that should be instantaneously, right? In my mind, okay, do I think that was the right call? Absolutely. I think if you take out the leader, you should get penalized. I, I'm sick of this this whole sprint car rule deal where you whoever stops goes to the back. I think that's stupid, okay? If you cause the altercation, there's consequences. You should get penalized for it. I, I believe that. And the reason World of Outlaws and some of them don't have that is they simply just don't want to make a call. They don't want to make a judgment call. And, and I really truly believe in those traveling series that they do it politically because if, some, if they make the call, if they have to start making calls and they bring their own officials to the racetrack, right? And pretty soon they're calling it on this guy. They're calling on that guy. Well, this guy's pissed off. He's like, well, screw you. I'm going to go race Lucas Oil instead of World Ball Boston. Okay? Now, if they don't have to make a call, they're like, I mean, you can't be mad at me. You stop on the track, you go to the back. That's just the rule. So it kind of takes away some of that drama, right? Because there's nobody can be mad. It is what it is. You can't be mad at the official. Well, I hate that. See, I get it. I get why they do that with the traveling series. But I, I just hate that rule because – I'm, I'm a firm believer that if you do something wrong, you should be penalized. I mean, it just is what it is. I mean, you walk in and you rob somebody and you get caught, you should go to jail, right? If you dump somebody and spin them out, you should get put to the back. It just, to me, it just makes sense. And I, I kind of see, though, I mean, you see my point there with that traveling series? I, I really believe that there's something to that. I was talking there the other day with someone and they said, do you think that if they started making calls that some of those guys would get pissed off and go to the other series if they got a bad call? And I think there's something to that. What do you think? Well, I, I think that's definitely a possibility. I mean, what struck me about this incident, and I mean, I watched it several times, and yeah, he dumped the leader, um, but it really isn't anything different than what almost NASCAR encourages their drivers to do. I mean, and when you, that was my big issue, well, maybe not issue, but I know we've talked about this on the show before. You know, I don't believe in the bump and run. I think that if you're going to pass somebody, you should do it. I mean, yeah, there's going to be some bumping, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't, if you want to pass them, you shouldn't bump them out of the way is what I'm saying. And so I think from a driver's perspective, I think a lot of that comes down from the um, watching NASCAR and knowing, you know, every week it's like the announcers are even getting into, you know, wh when, when's the bump and run going to come? When's that going to come? You know, they, they help promote this. And then this guy, yeah, this was a little bit more than a bump and run. Um, but you know, he gets penalized for it. I, I know it's different. It's a different series than what NASCAR is. So, but, you know, it's just dueling um, um, views on what the proper way to handle it is. Here's a question I have. I don't know if you know this or not. I don't, but I'm guessing that series has, I don't know if that was a non-sanctioned event or if it was a series, I don't know, but I'm guessing they have rules and procedures, right? Now, with that said, what is the rule? I mean, how does that work? I mean, it'd be kind of cool to look back at other races in that series to see what happened in similar situations, right? Now, 
did they do it because they got a hard on for this nasty guy and they say, you know what, you, you, we just don't like you and you're getting this, you know, we're, we're going to drop the hammer on you. But all of a sudden we find out for, and I don't know this to be true, but I mean, you see it all the time. Maybe four weeks ago, somebody had a similar deal. Maybe it wasn't for the win. Maybe it was for fifth, right? But on the last lap, they dumped the guy and they got the, I mean, is, are they, is, is it consistent? Right. Right. Well, that's the key. Is it, is it, are they calling it the same way every time? I don't know that, but uh, as long as they are, then it's okay. You asked the question, what is the rule? And the fact that they didn't make an an immediate decision tells me that there isn't a rule or it's a very vague rule. And I don't, I mean, I don't know this. I know there's a lot of chatter on Facebook, so I don't know if, if they took that into consideration <laughs> or what? <laughs> There's a lot of variables. <clears throat> and that's, that's the problem I have with it too, Bert, is if they're going to if okay, it was, it was obvious what happened, okay? He got into it. Was it intentional? He probably tried to bump him a little bit. He probably, he probably tried to move him off the track. Why wouldn't you? You're trying to win the race. Why wouldn't you do that? That's just, you know, you, you don't like that. I do. I do. I, I'm a Dale Earnhardt <laughs> guy. I just want to rattle his cage just a little bit, right? But the fact is, if that wasn't – he didn't smash him. I mean, the guy the guy almost saved him. He bumped it. The guy – I mean, probably the tires wore, wore out. You know, it was the end of the race, so he, it was easy to lose traction. But he didn't completely – he didn't, like, slide up into the fence. He didn't wad up the whole field. The guy spun out. Not a big, I mean, did he cause it? Yeah. Okay. But it wasn't a huge deal. I would have probably did the same thing. Why wouldn't you do the same thing? You're trying to win the race. But my whole problem is being that they knew what happened, if they're going to make a call, just make it immediately. Don't, don't wait. Right. Just the whole victory lane to do and all. I mean, that just, that, that just, that was a bad deal. Um, the way that they went around that whole deal and, they, that's two years in a row that, that they had victory lane celebrations for somebody who was, was not the winner. And uh, hopefully next year they don't have that issue again. <laughs> yeah, ho- hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully well, they'll Sunday have. was the big one, Bert. You know, hey, you're uh, I don't, representing the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, <laughs> from Seymour, C- Wisconsin, which is only about an hour away from where I live. Um, I mean, I've followed Ty Majeski's racing career. Um, I mean, I had never heard of Ty Majeski until um, I went, uh, I was, as the editor of Full Throttle Racing Magazine, we were only in like our second year or so with the magazine. And I went to our local go-kart track, which is only like 20 minutes from where I live. And the promoter of the go-kart track said, hey, if you're looking for a good go-kart story, Ty Majeski is here because Ty started racing go-karts at uh, GSR Cartway in Marion, Wisconsin, which is 20 minutes from my house. And it was at that time, he was just getting into asphalt racing, asphalt late model racing. So uh, we actually featured him on the cover of Full Throttle Magazine before anybody knew anything about him. So, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of, I'll, I'll say it. I'm kind of proud of that. I mean, Old throttle we, <laughs> put him on the map. You put him on the map is what so, you did. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, so I, I've been following Ty Majeski's career. I mean, uh, he got a, he was racing NASCAR trucks for most of this last year. Uh, but I mean, he's, he's definitely the most dominant super late model driver from Wisconsin right now. I mean, he pulls into any track in Wisconsin and I mean, he's a threat to win anywhere. Um, and last year he led most, he led the most laps at the snowball derby. Um, and I believe this was his, and this year was, but he didn't win. And I believe this year was his seventh attempt at winning that race. And he finally won it. Um, but you know, I watched the final five laps of that race and, um, you know, there wasn't a dumping of a leader, but there was definitely some scraping and some rubbing going on. Um, but nobody spun out and, you know, everybody finished and there was no controversy. So, uh, I, it, it's funny cause, uh, Ty posted on his Facebook page after he cleared, after his car cleared tech that he had officially won the race. <laughs> he waited till after the car went through tech. 
Yeah, that's probably a good idea with the track record that's going on down at that place. But that's pretty cool. You know, and, uh, you know, the, the cup champion, Chase Elliott, yep. right? He got third in that deal. And uh, then I looked kind of through the list. And I'm like, oh, Kyle Busch got seventh, right? So that's a big win. Ty Majeski, you know, getting a big win. That's a big race for him. Congratulations to him. And a little bit of rubbing at the end. I like I like having a little attitude at the end of the race for the win. So that's always pretty cool. And you got, I mean, obviously he was on Full Throttle Magazine. So that makes us a fan of him right away. But uh, have, have you uh, talked to him in recent years at all? I haven't talked to him in recent years. Um, uh, I have uh, interviewed him since that first story that we did on him. And uh, I mean, he's, he's a super nice guy, very good interview. Um, I, I should reach out and try to do, a, do an interview with him and, uh, you know, do another article about him. Yeah, especially after winning that one. It'd be kind of cool to see if he can take that next step, right, and get up into the cup ranks. I mean, he's certainly got the talent, you know, and, and as a Midwestern guy, we want to see our Midwestern guys go down and steal all their moonshine down there, so to speak. <laughs> what we want to see them, what we want to see them do. So, so that was pretty cool, and that, that kind of concluded the racing that we got to, that I kind of watched over the weekend. But uh, there was a little bit of news that come out, and this kind of leads me to <clears> – <throat> I guess Ryan's rant of the week, right? And uh, the PPP come out. You know, we got all this COVID. We're all sick of the COVID. We're sick of Paul. Everybody that like is like functional, right, is sick of politics. They're sick of COVID. They're sick of restrictions. They're sick of masks. They're sick of deaths. They're sick of all this crap, right? They're sick of all of them. <clears throat> but the PPP comes out. And uh, basically, this was intended or supposedly intended or advertised as such that small businesses, big businesses, everybody could apply for this and get some extra money to help them kind of through these hard times. And, oh, man, all I see is the rich getting richer. That's it. That's all I see. You know, it's, and don't hate the player. Hate the game, right? You know, I see, I see people out there that I'm, they're, like, getting these big checks, you know, RCR. $6.3 million. What? Like, what do they need? Seriously, the government's given. Really? I'm arguing with people on Facebook about student loan debt reduction and, and stuff like that. <laughs> We're talking like 20, 30 grand, and you got RCR getting a check for $6.3 million. Uh, Chip Ganassi, just under $4 million. World Racing Group, 900 grand, right? You know, Mark Richards Racing, really? Mark Richards Racing, $232,000, really? Mark Richards, how the hell did that happen? I mean, they, they, they made a ton of money this year. They won a lot of big races. They raced the better part of the year. They got their sponsorship money. They did their thing, and they get a handout for two hundred thirty-two grand. Some of the businesses on the list, hey, I get it because some of them are small businesses. I happen to know them, and I know things slowed down for them. I'm not opposed. In fact, honestly, I'm not opposed to even any of these people getting the money. Again, don't hate the player, hate the game. But we all know people in, and we're just we'll just talk about the racing community, right? As a whole, we won't talk about everybody, but in the racing community, we know a lot of people, a lot of small business owners that support racing, own race teams, own race cars, their businesses still to this day are not open, right? And, and some of those people are self-employed individuals, right? Maybe in services and they can't, they're not creating any income. Maybe some people are employees out there, right? And these employees, they're, they're not getting any, they're not getting money, right? But you got RCR getting 6.3 million and we got people out there that can't even afford to pay their bills because they're not getting anything. The whole system screwed up. It just pisses me off, you know, and, and you see this and, and you see people, you see, I know there's racetracks that have gotten PPP money. And again, Hey, God bless you. Great. I mean, it was available. They're giving the money to somebody. You might as well try to go get it right. Plain and simple. But it just, it just leaves a sour taste in my mouth. It just, it just feels wrong, you know, to, to see some of these folks getting this kind of money. And, and again, it's not on them it, to me, in my opinion, it's not on them. It's more on, you know, just another broken system that the government has going. What's your thoughts on that, Bert? No, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, you know, I, I don't fault uh, the companies for, you know, I mean, 
this system was created. They're just um, working within the system uh, and to get to get you know this money. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I mean, I, I think uh, the problem is with uh, how do I, how, with our government basically. With there's creating, a lot of problems with the government. <laughs> I we. No matter what side of the political realm you right, fall exactly. on, we're all like the government is a complete disaster. I mean, it just is what it is, for sure. I mean, they create these programs, you know, because, oh, we got we to gotta do something. We got to do something. So then, you know, they give all this money out. I mean, it, it says loans, but it, my understanding is if you follow the guidelines and everything, most of the money will not have to be paid back. Um, so you know, it's, it's a broken system that, that we have. And unfortunately, there's really not a lot we can do about it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we can vote and but, you know, once the elected officials are in office, whether it's president, you know, Congress, you know, even local, gov you know, state, local, you know, there's only so much that we can, we as citizens can control i mean i know in wisconsin it's frustrating i mean you're talking about you know people who are out of work and can't afford to go racing and that sort of thing i mean in wisconsin there's a huge backlog in processing the unemployment that there's some people who haven't received their unemployment from march because of the ineptitude of the government in processing unemployment claims and i mean it's just the whole system is broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no other way of putting that. You know, and, and the only thing that kind of gets me is you see all this and it's like, I think the intent maybe is there by certain people. I mean, it's hard to, I don't, I don't live in their heads, but I think that the, everybody knows that there's people that were struggling that needed this money. And I just wish there was a way to kind of make sure that all happened. And, and there's simply not, I don't have the answers to it, but you, right, exactly. You looked at the 2020 page on Facebook, Troy, Troy and Jonathan Powers, they got that page. And, you know, they there's a post on there that says NASCAR teams get PPP. And it kind of talks about all the different stuff. You can you can look on there and see all the numbers. And that doesn't have all of them, but it has several. And I don't know if it's public knowledge, all the people that have collected PPP money or not. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But uh, there's some pretty big numbers out there that just made me go, oh, wow. You know, it was just crazy. So that's enough of that because we'll get back to racing topic. That right there is just mind-blowing to me. I wanted to touch on that. But we do have some upcoming events, okay? There's uh, there's probably more than a couple, but there's two that would be considered a little bit, I guess, marquee-type, bigger-type events. And uh, Saturday on Dirt Vision, Bert, the Driving Extreme Dirt Car Series, making another trip down to the Livonia Speedway, that's night number three of six. And uh, I'm excited for that one. You know, that you're going to see kind of the same group of cars you just saw. Mm -hmm. Who's your pick? Uh, who's, who's your pick to win that one? Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to take your mod guy. <laughs> you're taking the high side tickler, Kyle Strickler. Um, I'll go ahead. I'm going to just, I'm going to stick. With, I don't think Overton was there, was he? I don't think he went to that race, did he? I did not see or hear his name at all. So, yeah, I don't think he was there. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to go or not. So, I, I'm going to go with the safe bet, knowing that he might not be there. I'm going to take uh, Chris Smokey Madden. Boy, he's been running good in this series, trying to trying to repeat his champ. This will kind of go through February. I think they got one more show um, in December, and then they kind of jump over to 2021. So, so you got uh, the high side tickler. I got Madden. That is Saturday on Dirt Vision. And then uh, we got another trip down. We talked about this place, Bert. This is <laughs> – we, we talked East Alabama, right? Um, what is it? Phoenix City, Alabama, the East Alabama Speedway, the 48th annual Alabama State Championships. Now, the last time they had a race there, it was a absolute disaster. Ten, ten classes of cars. And remember the prelim features, like all the, the I, I guess I don't know you want to call them field filler classes, but the, the lower classes, they were like 50 lap features and stuff. I'm like, what in the world? 
I looked at it this time. I think they're practicing Friday, racing Saturday, racing Sunday. And at least they're still having 852 classes, 10, 10 classes, just for Puka. Um, Puka, let me know if you need your flights arranged. I can, I can get you down there. Um, but the fact is those features are all going to be like 25 or 30 now, which, which is a lot better. Now, I don't know what series this is, Bert, but 10,000 to win for late models. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe they can get some kind of a notable name because you know that some of them are going to be down at Livonia, right? But right. Uh, maybe drag in some kind of a, you know, some kind of a big name. I, I think Joseph Joyner won the last big one down there, the last 10 grand to win deal. Mm -hmm. they, you know, with that last yeah. lap altercation deal. But uh, there's a couple interesting things there. You know, what's your thoughts on this race coming up? And then I'll touch. I got there's some pretty neat things here that I was going to talk about with this race. But what sticks out to you from what you saw? Well, I mean, I'm hoping that uh, um, they learn from that their, that last event. And well, apparently they have learned from their last event because uh, they did shorten some of the features. And uh, I don't want to steal your thunder with one of the things that they're going to do because I know you're going to talk about it. Um, but yeah, they're they're changing up uh, their cautions a little bit if they if they run past their time limit. You remember those cautions last time? I mean, there was a yellow and there was like 400 parade laps and people parking on the track and they would drive in the pits and they like literally drive into their haulers and it was it was like a free for all. It like took forever. And uh, this time, what they're doing is. Everything except for the super late models, all the other classes are on a time limit for the A-Mains. And once they get past their time limits, they're counting caution laps. What? A 25-lap feature, they're going to count. That place had like eight caution laps every <laughs> single yellow. They'd be like, you know, I, it's just weird to me. I mean, I get it. They're, hats off to them for recognizing that there's a problem and they got to speed things up so that that's good it's just kind of a weird way of doing that but well I'm, I'm, go ahead i want to i mean if if they're going to count caution laps i mean after the time limit runs out um to me they have to put some sort of limitation on how long they're going to wait for a car to change a tire in the pits i mean it should be caution comes out line up the cars and you're going I mean, some of those cautions the last time were like 10 laps and just a caution alone. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. And, and uh, I don't know the answer to that, what they're going to do down there. My guess, if I had to guess, is maybe on everything below the super late models, <clears throat> once they get to a, uh, once they get to that situation, maybe they won't wait for anybody. You know, I, I'm I'm all with not waiting for it. If you give them two laps at the very most, you don't need to give them any laps, though. I mean, not with 10 classes. Now, another thing that stuck out. So if you're wondering where this is streamed, jump on Facebook, go to the East Alabama Motor Speedway um, to their Facebook page, and you'll be able to get that information. There's a new streaming service down there. I don't remember the name of it. I know I know Jeff sent me that over, um, so I, but I did not write that down. But you can go to their Facebook page and get that. It will be live streamed. But the races, okay, the races, 10 a.m. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Like, there's no way. Uh, we're talking like they practice Friday, race Saturday, race Sunday. Half the people I know at the racetrack would still be hung, they'd still be drunk at 10 a.m not hung over, drunk. So we're talking 10 a.m. start time. That is just absolutely mind-boggling to me. You know, that's with hot laps and all that, but 10 a.m. start time. I've, I've never seen anything like that, not even on a not even on a rain-delayed race, not even where it rained out the night before and then they started. I guess Boone would be the only thing that I've seen where they right. raced that early would be Boone. But 10 a.m., I'm like, there's – it, I, I need a guy starting on the pole going, man, I hope my feature last, right? Because I won't even make it. There's like no way. I remember, Bert, the Labor Day shootout in Hibbon. <clears throat> they used to race at 3 o'clock Saturday and 3 o'clock Sunday, and draw cutoff was 1.30, right? Well, I'd stay up the whole night the night before going through everything in the shop, and like I'd roll in like at 1 o'clock and be going, all right, we're about ready to go here, right? 10 a.m., there's no way. That I just, I just, that makes no sense. 
and what what and hopefully it works out for them. But boy, I would have a hard time thinking they're going to get fans at 10 a.m. That I mean, unless they're used to that down there, I I, I don't know. I mean, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I I just don't. I mean, I get it. They're starting that early. And they got that many races, but it just I I don't know. Yeah, the only time I that I was ever at a race that started in the morning uh, would have possibly been a Punky Manor one year because both Friday and Saturday night got rained out, so they ran the entire show on Sunday. Um, so I would imagine they started at least late morning. Um, but I mean, obviously that's different circumstances because uh, there was a rain out but uh or two rain outs but um when you're scheduling at 10 a.m because that's what you want to do that yeah that doesn't make any sense <laughs> no 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 not at all not at all now now here's the deal Bert. so that race right there i'm interested to see how that worked out because that was pretty cool seeing joseph joiner get that win there was some drama at the end you know it, you know, I will see how it goes. There's less laps on the racetrack. It'll probably be better than it was last time. It's cool to see another 10,000 a win show. And, and I watch, I actually jumped on their page. I watched their Facebook Live. And, and uh, they, they kind of, surprisingly, they do things different, but they kind of have it together. You know, like they, they were pretty well thought out. They're pretty organized. And I was pretty impressed with some of the things they had going on. Um I don't know about the whole 10 classes and some of that stuff. I mean, that's not my cup of tea, but uh, hopefully it's a success. There's not much racing this time of year, you know, <clears throat> so hopefully, hopefully that can go off. Well, I think this was a, a postponed deal. I think this was canceled earlier in the year and post push back here. So hopefully it goes well. I don't even know who's going to be there. Um, but it'd be kind of cool though, to see that hunt the front team, maybe, maybe steal victory lane again. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what drivers are going to be there. Um, it will be interesting to see if, uh, if uh, you know, a national driver or two do show up there. I mean, for this track to have two 10,000 to win shows so close to each other, I mean, you would think that financially they're successful. I, but, I mean, you don't know that for sure because sometimes tracks will just – do stuff and uh, maybe they got a couple money. hundred grand in ptt money <laughs> <laughs> just saying so, so yeah but uh but yeah i mean i i hope it's successful to them i mean i never wish ill will on a racetrack uh because i mean i mean both you and i are race fans so i mean we don't want we don't want any tracks to disappear well, I, I, I can't say that that's never been the case. Um, <laughs> when I was racing, there there may have been some, I'm going to burn your house down moments and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, there, uh, yeah, I, I had some shining moments in my, in my racing career where I, I did it. I did wish, wish ill will. I remember uh, I wanted to burn the grandstands down a, a time or two and never did, never did, <laughs> never did. Right. But the thought maybe crossed my mind just a little bit. You don't, I don't need counseling for that. I'm over that now, but uh, Hey, that leads us to, that brings us to the last lap. Okay. There, there's some pretty cool stuff happening on uh, Bristol. Okay. <clears throat> now, typically they're like, it's Bristol NASCAR stupid. But for the third time, dirt. Now, we already know they're going to put the cup cars there, right? But uh, this week, what did they just announce? Did you see the announcement? Did you get all the information on that? Yeah, I mean, I did see the announcement. I mean, once the once NASCAR released the schedule that they're going to race dirt at Bristol, I, I think we may have even talked about it on the show that um, you knew they had to have some sort of – you figured that uh, some sort of dirt – or dirt races other than NASCAR would be taking place there also. And yeah, it was announced today that the Bristol Dirt Nationals uh, will be taking place the week leading up to the NASCAR event. Um, it's gonna, it sounds like late models for sure. Um, there's gonna be other classes. They really haven't finalized the classes yet. Um, but my understanding is it's, it's not sanctioned by any one group though, uh, that it's, they're just, it's un, it's going to be an unsanctioned race. Yeah, that's the understanding. Well, <clears throat> I think, I think what I read is they haven't announced any kind of okay. sanctions. So <clears throat> I don't know that that's going to be officially non-sanctioned 
or if they just haven't really crossed their T's and dotted their I's on what that's going to be yet. Same thing with the support classes. One thing that's for sure, it's going to be on XR. Um, this is a sister track to the track in Vegas, XR promoted, of course, the Duel in the Desert out there, the IMCA deal. Um, he must have created, Barry must have created a relationship with that group. And now he's a, he got his foot in the door down at Bristol. So hats off to him. That's going to be a cool deal. And uh, 2000, you know, those few late model races in 2000, Dale McDowell, the, oh, is it Cat Daddy, is that what they call him? Dale McDowell? I think, is that his name? Or Matt, is it Cat Daddy or Mac Daddy? Or what do they call him? Mac Daddy. Daddy. Cat Daddy, Daddy is Clint Smith. Yeah, that's it? what you're right. Mac Daddy. There you go. <laughs> I, so here we go. Burton. <laughs> just late model expert, not me. I just got, I just got talking. So, but Dale McDonald, he got her done in 2000. And then in 2001, I didn't even know this, but they had three races there. Bloomquist won two. And uh, none, other, none other than the Iceman, Jimmy Mars, he parked it in victory lane in 2001 as well. So, you know, looking, you know, just, I mean, it's a long ways looking in. It'll be kind of cool to see what kind of interaction. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, there's going to be modifieds there. Um, whether it's IMCA or UMP or a combination like a conglomerate, I'm not sure because I know that there's been Facebook stuff going on and there's a whole bunch of IMCA guys going, I want to go. There's USRA guys wanting to go. UMP guys want to go. I don't know if they're going to try to do some kind of a conglomeration or if they're just going to say, look, this is the region we're in. It's going to be this, but there will be some modifieds. There'll probably be some other classes as well. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think it'll be a pretty good turnout. And uh, well, they might as well just race them all. Let's have like ten to twenty classes there. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> got to have you got to have hornets. You got to have rear wheel drive mini stocks. You got to have winged mini stocks. You got to have super stocks. You got to have IMCA stock cars with soda street stocks. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> I definitely don't. Please, please, please don't do that. Three classes at the very most. I, I, that's his show. But three classes at the very most would be. I think that would be perfect. Now, well, I, I want to make one comment. Um, I'm curious. I was just thinking about this. I'm curious to see uh, how technology over the last 20 years um, has changed because when they raced there previously, um, if I remember correctly, they were popping tires and popping motors like crazy down there. So it'll be interesting to see if technology has uh, uh, lessened some of that um, on the, you know, now that we're like 20 years past uh, where we were? Well, it is a big half mile. The place is fast. I think they're breaking wheels there too, weren't they? Yeah. I think, so, I mean, it, it's a wicked fast racetrack. It's a big half mile type deal. So, I guess we'll see. I mean, I wish they would take and, you know, I mean, that's the smallest NASCAR track you have is a half mile, I guess. But I, I still think I still think half miles suck. So, it, it, it is what it is. It's kind of cool that it'll be there. There's a lot of drivers that said, you know, I mean, there's some prestige involved with going to Bristol. So it'll be a cool event overall. But uh, oh, yeah. just, uh, just knock on wood that 2021 is different from 2020 and all this stuff can actually happen, right? That's, that's what I'm hoping. So did you see the World of Outlaw news? So, Keith, I did not forget about you, buddy. We're going to talk a little bit about sprint cars for my buddy, okay? <laughs> The crowd pleaser, Craig Delansky, has thrown his hat into the ring, right? And he is going to be the new promoter down at the Dodge City Raceway Park in Dodge City, Kansas. He done lost his mind, okay? Like, I, I think it's cool. Don't get me wrong. But a sprint car driver probably hit your head one too many times and you want to, like, that's a headache. Being a promoter of a racetrack is a headache. But it's kind of cool. You see a lot of drivers kind of take that that next step, right? I, I did. I kind of got into the promoting side of things. A lot of drivers have taken that next step and transitioned from driver to track promoter or series promoter or whatever it may be. And uh, Delansky, Minnesota guy, right? You know, right down by Princeton. I think Elk River is where he's from. He's going to be doing that. You got any thoughts on that? And then I got a couple of things that I, I do have thoughts on. Well, um, I, I don't know a lot about, uh, about the situation, um, but I mean, we were talking about uh, when drivers become promoters that uh, there's a different uh, mindset. Um, you know, you, there's a driver mindset, there's a promoter mindset, 
and you know sometimes those mindsets clash and you know which which mindset wins over I, maybe you can answer that <laughs> you know and then there's a fan mindset right so there's all these different hats that you wear so there's there's drivers that are successful. There's there's field fillers, mid-pack guys, nothing against them. There's just those core groups. There's rich racers. There's poor racers. There's diehard fans. There's casual fans. There's people that never been to a race. There's sponsors that sponsor a team. There's sponsors that want to drive business in their front door. There's such a wide array of people involved, right? And, and a lot of times what I see is when a, when a driver, especially a successful one, becomes a promoter, Everything to them is like, oh, big show, oh, big show, oh, big show. <clears throat> and they, they kind of lose sight of like trying to get more fans built and all that. And everything's like a big special, a big special, and they want to go big. And, and that's all fine and good. And that's just a natural progression. That's what happens. But there's a, there's a switch that flips and, and pretty soon they have that aha moment. And they're like, okay, all these big shows are great, but all we're doing is we're taking race fans from a 100-mile radius and we're bringing them all to our track. I'd really like a challenge somebody to get creative to try to build new fans. And, and you just you don't see that a lot of times. Um, but one thing that he talked about in the article is he wants to build the fan base. I was excited to see that. I, I wish him the best of luck, and uh, I look forward to hopefully there's some streaming stuff. I probably won't make it down there, but hopefully uh, we're able to watch a race or two in 2021, and hopefully he does well. So late model news, Mert, Ricky Weiss. Yes, uh, this is something that uh, you've been on top of uh, for, for a while now, and uh, it was finally announced that uh, he will uh, be – racing his own chassis in 2021. He'll be following the World of Outlaw Tour again, uh, but he will not be racing a Team Zero car. He'll be racing his own chassis. Uh, so that's going to be interesting because, uh, I mean, I don't know if he's going to have like a base chassis and then just make his changes to it, or if he's just starting completely from scratch. Uh, but you know, my understanding, he, he's going to be the only one running it, correct? Well, that's all we know for right now, right? Okay, I would say okay. he, he won't be the only one running it. There'll be okay, there'll okay. be somebody else in there. I don't know who, but I'm sure the goal is to have some other drivers in it. And I will say this, Ricky Weiss, one hell of a race car driver, five-time with Soda Late Model National Champ. Uh, I think it was what do you get third last year in the world of outlaws second this year right so he parked in victory lane a couple times this year he's progressively getting better he's i mean he had a legitimate shot to win down at eldora this year he was leading he heard a motor down there so i mean he's a good race car driver he's got a lot of experience he's got some people that are are tied into this program that are knowledgeable um so i think <clears throat> i think he's gonna do good he was missing a little bit, honestly, in my opinion, with that Bluequist car, he was off just a little bit. I, you know, from what I saw, like a little mid-corner push all the time with all them Bluequist cars, maybe he makes a little adjustment. You know, it's not going to be exactly the same. Could be a little worse, could be a little bit better. But uh, I, I think it's going to be a step up because I, I think that Bluequist car was really holding him back. And, and I think if he would have been in – I think if you'd have been in a rocket, he wins five, six more features this year. You know, I mean, long... I agree with you that he was off this year, and I mean, we've discussed this a lot on the show that, um, you know, we don't think that the Bloomquist car was was helping him; that it was actually hurting him. Uh, the the thing I fear is, I mean, there's a lot more responsibility when you're building your own chassis, and you know, I think, uh, I mean before Daryl Lanigan started building his own chassis. I mean, he was, he was winning all the time and, but he different was deal, different deal because Ricky's not going to be the welder. I don't know what Lanigan did at his shop either. I don't know the situation on there, but they, they hired, they got a welder coming in. They got a fab guy. Ricky's not the money guy. There's a money guy behind that. Whole okay. Thing. You know, so Rick, Ricky's still just a driver. He's going to have some input. He's not going to be the business guy doing all this. He might deal with a few drivers or whatever. But the fact is, it's more of th there's other people behind this. He's just kind of the face of it, so to speak, okay. from what I understand. 
as long as don't get me wrong, he has some knowledge too. He'll have some input on how to make oh, the right. cars back, right? But uh, he, he's not the he's not the main finance behind that deal. As long as he can separate driver and chassis builder and still be able to uh, concentrate on driving and winning races. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And I and I think he's going to do better. I guess uh, we'll find out. I think it sounds like he's going down to Volusia. That will be his kind of his first step down in January. They got that's what, where they're opening up, isn't it, for the World of Outlaws? In in literally just a handful of weeks away down in Volusia. Mm -hmm. So so he'll be down there. We'll find out soon enough. And uh, best uh, best of luck to our friend from north of the border there. And uh, I'm going to end up with some some bad news here. And I wasn't going to mention this guy, but Jeff shot it over to me. And you remember the Conley name? There was Delmas Conley and RJ and Rod Conley. They, they, yep. were, they were number 71. So they had to be cool. I mean, I mean, just, well, JT Conley, uh, 31 or 32 years old, I guess yesterday he passed away. I don't know the details what happened, but a uh, tough deal in the world. And, uh, and I guess the, the late model world, because the Conley name has been, a pretty big name, dirt late model racing for a long time. I mean, I remember that name for years. And uh, this kind of one, the younger one, I don't know, I guess Delmas would have been grandpa. And I don't know who was his dad, but, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers to them. But uh, something that hits a little closer to home for me is, uh, so Kyle Peterland, racer of the 23 late model, he ran supers, heck of a racer. Um, his, his grandma, Carol, passed away. And uh, she has been, the, the Peterland family at the Hibbing Raceways in our area, Proctor, Superior, Grand Rapids, all that area, they've been around racing for over 40 years, probably getting close to 50 years. Um, Gabe and Carol, they used to sponsor several race cars throughout the area, national champion race cars. And, you know, Carol been going to the, Gabe and Carol been going to the races for a long time. And I just want to give my condolences, uh, good friends of mine, to the Peterland family. Uh, it's a tough loss for them. And with the COVID stuff, it just made, the whole deal was just difficult, but she, she lost her battle here today, actually. And uh, my thoughts and prayers go to them and best wishes to uh, everybody at Peterland Motorsports and Kyle Peterland Racing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thoughts and prayers definitely to uh, uh, both the Conley family and the Peterland family. Yep. And actually a <clears throat> um, little, little side note on Carol, Years back, uh, a lot of they had a, a woman's auxiliary at the Hibbing Raceway, and I don't know exactly what her role is. I was pretty young, but I remember my mom was in it, and uh, so my mom and Carol and several of them. But they they actually had booklets and point sheets, and they did all kinds of pretty neat stuff, and you know, little fundraisers and stuff for the racing community. So she she's been involved for a long time, and uh, just uh, sad to see her go, but. You know, hey, that's that's episode fifty-eight. We got a little bit of racing coming up. Uh, Phoenix City, Alabama, uh, East Alabama Speedway, and of course Livonia. That that's my one. If I had to say I'm looking forward to something, it's that one. Um, I would agree. Yeah. So that's coming up here. That's going to be on Dirt Vision, and uh, I'm guessing that if you can't catch it on Dirt Vision, if you don't have Dirt Vision, it'll probably be on the next day on on Dirt on Dirt. Right? I think it usually ends up that way. Right. <laughs> so. So any closing thoughts there uh, before we uh, before we close out? Well, I mean, I was looking at the calendar today, and it's crazy. We have a full week next week, and then it's Christmas week already. And, uh, I mean, I was um, I saw Ben Shelton had posted on his Facebook page that he's already preparing his stuff for uh, the races in January in Arizona. So, uh, um, you know, we may have a little bit of a lull right now in racing, but uh, – it's going to pick up real fast. <laughs> it is. It is. And I'm going to knock on wood. I'm working on some details. I'd like to get down there. I might make it down to that deal, the Wild West Tour myself. I'm working on that. We'll see how it goes. And uh, coming up, race fans, uh, you know, we are going to be doing, okay? We, As you saw, we've been doing our late model show. we got one more to break down um, that we're going to be talking about the Central Minnesota. Then we're going to break down the top 25 um, late model drivers in our region but we also have a best of show that we're putting together right now, kind of moments of 2020 and uh, shout out, you know, shoot, shoot us some stuff over, whether it's on um, text or Facebook or however you want to get a hold of us, shoot us a message. If there's something that stuck out to you in 2020, you know, type that in, you know, let us know. And, and Bert, I got one more thing I want to add is 
<clears throat> kind of like to add a little segment. This is an idea that we got from uh, one of our listeners. And he said, what if, what if that you, you did like a, a fan interaction meal, right? And like the, maybe the fans have a, <clears throat> and actually it was uh, Dennis from uh, Den's Auto Body up there in Duluth. And he says, Ryan's rant, because we were talking about that. He's like, what if you had a, a fan shoot over a message they can shoot it over on Facebook. They can they can text it to one of us if you know us. But if you have some, if you have a topic and you're like, what do you think about this? Or maybe a list of questions, right? Maybe we'll take three, four questions a week that people might have in the racing world, and maybe we have an answer or give you our input on it. But uh, kind of be fun to kind of get a little bit of interaction there. So don't be afraid to hit us up, you know, in the comments or shoot us a message. Get a hold of us if there's. If there's something you'd like us to chat about, if you have questions on something, let us know. And uh, we kind of, I kind of have fun doing something like that. What do you think, Bert? No, I agree. I mean, uh, you know, the whole reason we're doing this podcast is uh, for fans to listen to it, and we want to be talking about things that they want to hear about. So, yeah, if you have any ideas, suggestions on topics that you want us to discuss, uh, send them. You know. Uh, message us on our Facebook page or just put it in the comment section and uh, you know we'll be sure to take a look at it and uh, who knows we may just discuss it <laughs> absolutely absolutely so with that said there's episode 58 in the books that is the Bert Lehman I'm Ryan Aho and like our buddy Puka always says go out there and be your dream and we'll be back at you next week perfect